Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi here as always with Nima Tavali. Another week, another crazy seven days on the Mercato. The biggest news is that Gianluca Scamacca has decided to join Atalanta. A big blow for Inter who must now sign an alternative attacker. Could it be following Balogun of Arsenal? Atalanta have also sealed the loan signing of Charles de Ketteler. Can he resurrect himself at Atalanta? And why was he such a disaster at Milan? Inter have finally closed the deal for Jan Sommer. They now have a goalkeeper. And these will be key days in the negotiations for the Dusan Vlaovic-Romelu Lukaku swap with Chelsea and Juventus. Uh, Juventus also may have the chance to sign Gigi Donnarumma and they could keep Weston McKennie. Lots to talk about with Juve again. Napoli have finally signed their replacement for Kim Min-Jae. Roma are in talks to sell Roger Ibanez, while Gaetano Castrovilli's move to Bournemouth has collapsed due to his knee. Marco Verratti could move to Saudi Arabia. Uh, and we also have some more shocking crimes of uh, Prem Facery, so stick to the end for that. Um... And finally, the greatest goalkeeper of all time, the GOAT of goalkeepers, has retired. So we will commemorate the great career of Gigi Buffon. For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all our content that we do throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more. Then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. And for all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. Giving us a five-star rating. Follow, subscribe to us. It really helps us to grow. Uh, also, you can give us a follow on YouTube as well. So let's get into today's show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Making your own podcast is fun, but the production of podcasts can also be challenging if you don't have the right software. With Zencaster, the whole process is quick and straightforward. Here at the Italian Football Podcast, we aim to have the highest of standards, and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and fantastic HD video quality. Furthermore, it's really easy to use. Even boomers like Carlo can manage. There's nothing to download, just one click, and we start recording each episode. Zencaster ensures that your podcasting experience is easy and enjoyable. You don't even have to leave your browser as it possesses all the tools required to get the episode done, from local recording to automatic post-productions. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code ItalianFootball, one word, you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Okay, so let's start off with Gigi Buffon, who has now announced his retirement at the grand old age of 45 after an incredible 28-year professional career. So Nima... <laughs> How do you possibly sum up the career of Gigi Buffon? It's um, it's very difficult to sum it up because I mean I, I I my very very first memory of him is watching that his debut against Milan at the Ennio Tardini for Parma, 
when he was 17 years old against Milan with Vea Baggio. And he was the man of the match, a goalless draw um, during the era when the Serie A was the greatest, the best league in the world. Uh, probably, you know, during an era where every world-class player played in Italy, um, uh, you know, the the era that I don't think it's possible to ever be replicated again. Um, but it was th- that game, I remember, I was like, who is this 17-year-old? Because he, it wasn't just that he did, he, 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 you know, kept a clean sheet. It was a fantastic saves, the way he communicated with the, with the defense. Um, and that defense was pretty damn good itself. Just go and look at who started there. Um, it was just, it was truly, truly, you know, everyone was like, wow, what did we do? We just witnessed something historic here. And we did. That was the beginning. Um, because after that, of course, we, we he became Gigi Buffon a few years later. And of course, when Parma's financial woes hit them, uh, he went to Juven and became a club legend there. Um, and he really does have some incredible records to his name, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, his records, the list of records, there's, there's too many to, to, to sum up uh, on this pod. But most Serie A appearances, most uh, cl- career club appearances by an Italian, most uh, Scudetti won. Uh, the record for, for minutes without conceding, going almost a 1,000 minutes of, of football in Serie A, 10 consecutive clean sheets, the most clean sheets in the history of Serie A, the oldest player to win the Scudetto, the oldest player to play for Juventus, uh, the second oldest player to ever play in Serie A, uh, the oldest goalkeeper to, to save a penalty, um, the, the most Serie A appearances and the most Champions League appearances for Juventus, uh, the ju- joint most World Cups, um, played in five, and it, it would have been would have been six if it hadn't been for uh, the failure to qualify for the the 2018 World Cup. He would have gone to a record six. No one's ever done that, and maybe never will. Um, so it's it's unbelievable, and, and I think the longevity of of Buffon's career is is and and for how long he played at a world class level is what makes him what stands him apart from all the other legendary goalkeepers that they've been in the past and it's what makes him the goat of goalkeepers. I mean, this is someone, like you said, debuted at the age of 17 in 1995. He played for 28 years, but for most of that time, for a good quarter of a century, he was playing at the highest level and at a world-class level for for most of that time. Um, And, you know, he was was already world-class and playing for Italy as a teenager and over 20 years later, at the age of 39, he was named the best goalkeeper in the world at the Ballon, you know, at the Ballon d'Or ceremony. So no goalkeeper in history comes close to that longevity and that longevity at the very, very top. He was like, I think, the Paolo Maldini of goalkeepers when mm. you put it, when you look at it that way. Um, so you know, it is. It is the amazing. reason why I think he's the greatest of all time is uh, because there are goalkeepers who have won more than him. I mean. Um, what's his name? His name eludes me. Real Madrid goalkeeper Casillas. He's Casillas, he's yeah. won the Euros twice. You know, Buffon never won the Euros. He's won more Champions Leagues. Uh, you know, Buffon's never won the Champions League. Um, but the longevity is what does it for me. The fact that he was, you know, you know, he was named the best goalkeeper in the world at the age of thirty-nine. Um, he was unbelievable for such a long, long period of time. Let's remember Casillas was fantastic at a young age, 
but he quickly fell off um, in his 30s. Yeah. I mean, he was finished by 32, 33. Yeah, he was completely he was finished. finished. At the top completely level. finished. Buffon kept it going, like you said, for 28 years. Um, and for, for 25 of those, 24 of those, he was the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, and that's truly, truly remarkable. Um, and that is for, that is why I think, for me, that he he is the, the greatest, the, the longevity And when you look level. at his qualities as well, when you look at his qualities, I mean, he was the complete goalkeeper. He had everything. He was an incredible shot stopper. Mm. He was perfect in the air. You know, mm. from crosses. I don't think there's ever been anyone that's more was as safe as him as mm. on crosses. The way that he commanded the box. No one's commanded the box, organized the box, organized his defense, positioning, perfect mm. positioning, perfect positioning, like, perfect positioning. When to come out, how to position himself on angles so that when you know he's going at the near post, you know, getting in the right position so that you don't leave too much of your near post open, you don't leave too much of your far post open narrowing the angle when you're coming up for a one-on-one, exactly where to be positionally perfect. Great communicator from a young age, a great leader, uh, a great example for the others, but also someone that had incredible confidence. We saw that especially when he was young. He was a very, very confident person, confident as a, as a teenager. He changed slightly, became more, you know, a different type of leader, uh, an example to follow when he got older, um, brave, you know, the only weakness I would I would say for a, a while were, were probably penalties. He wasn't mm. his best, wasn't the best at, but he even got greater them later on in his career as well. And if you look at actually look at the number of the record of penalties saved, he's actually right right up there uh, at the top as well. And and so I mean, he was the complete goalkeeper. Uh, and there's just so many so many special memories. Um, you know, I mean that that debut in '95, I remember yeah, watching is, it as well. The is. saves from Badjo and Weyer and, and Boban. And the way he used to th- he threw himself, but then I also remember the debut for Italy uh, against Russia in 1997. It was a World Cup playoff against Russia, mm. two-legged playoff. They were playing in Moscow in the first leg in the snow with an orange ball. Mm. The snow was was three inches deep. It was thick. There was no couldn't see any gr- any green on the field. Awful freezing sub-zero temperatures. Uh, Paluka gets injured early on in the game, like ten minutes into the game. On comes Buffon, 19 years old. And honestly, you know, everybody's thinking the same thing. Everyone's thinking Italy are going out. Italy are not qualifying for the World Cup. You know, you go into Russia in the in the winter, the deep winter, in those temperatures, with, with those conditions, with a, with a rookie goalkeeper. Buffon comes in and he's, he's absolutely magnificent um, in, in that game. And um, in Italy, they draw one-one, and then they end up winning the the return leg, and they and they and they go to the they go to the World Cup. Um, I mean, I remember that. I mean, so many amazing the save from Inzaghi in the two thousand three Champions League final. I think for me, that's his most memorable one. It obviously, didn't result in a victory, but I remember Inzaghi's expression when he when he when he took the the header. I think it was a header, wasn't it? The cross come in. He yeah. put he put it towards the near post, and you know, he thinks he scored and then his reaction, Inzaghi's reaction, like kind of like everybody else, like how did he save that? Like what? Like you couldn't believe that Buffon had made that save. And then of course the 2006 World Cup, you know, where he was faultless, two, conceded two goals all tournament and that was an own goal. Zakarado with the most weird old goal I think I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. Um, and, and of course yeah. that penalty that was barely over the line. Um, yeah, from Zidane in the final. So, I mean, he didn't, 
he basically didn't concede a goal. <laughs> I mean, you know, he wasn't really beaten in the whole tournament. No, I mean, uh, the, the World Cup final, the Zidane header to me is just insane, um, what he does there. Um, and bef- in the semi finals as well, there's the sh- I think it's Schneider who shoots a fantastic shot, yeah. Now, and Podolsky in the in the Podolsky, in the, yeah, in no. the extra time as no, well. He, yeah. is, he is now for, for me the longevity, and and above all, the for me, a good goalkeeper traditionally because I think that role is changing now, uh, it's going through a metamorphosis of, of what the new goalkeepers is, uh, the new goalkeepers are going to be, and I think Mike Mignon is the perfect embodiment of that. But regardless, for me, it's this man's ability to the, the rebounds, the rebound that he never gave any rebounds, and the ones that he did were were always to the side. It was never straight out. He didn't suffer from Handanovic syndrome, as I call it. Great save, straight out, always, mm-hmm. always, always. That's what. That's why I think what will stop Vicario from becoming a really good goalkeeper too. The rebounds are always straight out. Um, with That's before. part of it, like also his understanding of the game, yeah. isn't it? Like he always, you know, he learnt and mm. knew that, you know, that was part of being a goalkeeper is, is you know, mm. limiting the chances mm. to the opposition I mean, in whatever that's, way that's that is. It's so important. And I think that's why I think Vicario will never be a world-class, top-class goalkeeper. I think he'll be a great, great goalkeeper, yeah, but I know he'll be world-class because the, the rebounds are too straight out. And, and, mm. and with Buffon, you never had that. Um, and also Buffon, you know, all goalkeepers make mistakes, mm. but Buffon certainly made less mistakes than, than mm. fewer mistakes than, yeah, than, 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 than anyone else. I mean, again, you know, you look at Donnarumma, who obviously is phenomenal in, in what he does good, but, you know, Donnarumma is not as complete goalkeeper as, as Buffon, not, not even close. Mm. You know, he's not as good anywhere close as good on crosses. He doesn't, he makes more mistakes than him. Um, and, you know, the, 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 you know, so, I mean, there's been legendary goalkeepers in the mm. past. Yashin, Banks, Sepp Meyer, Zoff. Dino Zoff, of course, Schmeichel, Manuel Neuer, Casillas, who you mentioned before. You know, these are all great goalkeepers, but when you add everything together, including the longevity... You know, I think won. Zoff is the only one that comes close because he's the, he won everything. Um, and yeah, Zoff, Zoff is the only one, I think, that comes close, to be yeah. honest here. But it was a different kind of football then, you know? It was a diff- it's difficult to compare errors. But I think for me... Mm. Zoff and Buffon are head and shoulders above everyone else. The only regrets, of course, is that he never won that. I mean, the Euros as well, not winning the Euros, and he went close. Uh, he went close. But he was so, unlucky with Italy as well, wasn't he? I mean, the injuries yeah. that, that prevented him from being the starting goalkeepers in, in, in France 98 and, and Euro 2000. Well, he wouldn't have been the starter in France 98. He, went to, he wasn't injured in France 98, but he was injured for, for, two, for yeah, 2000 and, uh, yeah. 2010. Yeah. He was injured. And then obviously 2018, he didn't qualify. Mm. Um, but also in 2002, you know, they got cheated in 2002. Mm. Uh, World Cup uh, by UEFA and, and the referee. FIFA, and then, not UEFA. Sorry, FIFA. Yeah, well, same thing. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> it's different mask. Um, same face, different mask. Um, Meet the yeah, new boss, and, same as the uh, old boss. And, and then 2014, it didn't have a good team. But, you know, he... he but I think the, the big regret is obviously the Champions League. That is a big regret. Yeah. You know, three finals. Uh, and, um, you know, that, that was the one that he really wanted. And I think that's one, the one that, you know, most kind of neutrals wanted uh, for Buffon himself and that, you know, he didn't, he didn't manage, he didn't manage that, but that doesn't stop him becoming, becoming the GOAT. So yeah, all the best to Buffon. He's now going to be the new head of delegation of Italy's national teams. He's going to take the job of um, the late Gianluca Vialli. So 
Um, let's see if he can. Uh, well, let's make sure we qualify first. Let's see if he can get a Euros, win a Euros as a <laughs> as a part of the delegation instead. Um, okay, let's let's move to the let's move to the Mercato now, uh, and let's talk about the biggest talking point of the week, and that is Gianluca Scamacca, who seemed destined to Inter. It looked like the deal was was at what well, it was in a pretty advanced stage. Then Atalanta come in, they come in with a better offer for the club and a better offer for the player. And Skamaka has now, um, well, he's going to join Atalanta. 25 million euros up front, 5 million in, in add-ons. Um, he will learn around 3.2 million euros a season, a 10% sell-on clause. Um, so first of all, let's look at this from Skamaka's point of view. Has he made the right decision joining Atalanta rather than waiting it out or well, that's exactly the key here. I think it's important to get the facts straight. This notion that Atalanta outbid Inter is laughable because if you think that Inter, Inter's offer was never accepted, first of all, for Scamacca to choose Inter, West Ham have to accept Inter's offer. They didn't. They, they accepted Atalanta's offer. And second of all, if you think that Inter can, can't afford to 30 million overall value for Scamacca, but somehow they can manage to pay 35 for Balogun, well, then you maybe need to go back to school and learn how arithmetic works. So it's quite clear that Inter didn't feel that Scamacca was worth that money and they weren't as keen on him. And we know, I mean, this is this is not a secret. Scamacca was the compromise um, candidate for Inter. In, Inter's directors, ownership, Zhang, Marotta, Auxilio want Balogun, Inzaghi wanted Morata, and they compromised on Scamacca and they made an offer which they thought was fair to both player and the uh, to, to the club and the player. West Ham accepted Atalanta's offer. Um, Inter decided not to relaunch because they don't want to participate in as you know as Manotto always says. Inter doesn't participate in in auctioning bids, in auctions, and and they didn't do that. They didn't they didn't want that. Um, so they they you know it, it's not a, it, and I understand that it's a. It's a very sexy thing to go with all oh, Inter got Inter Beffa, uh, you know, Inter got overtaken by Atalanta. It's a sexy media thing. It's, it creates lots of, you know, clicks and and lots of interactions on social media, and people obviously make money off of that now nowadays on Twitter and, and elsewhere. So I get that. But if we're sticking to the facts entirely, it's it's it. The facts are Atalanta made an offer, West Ham accepted it. Inter made an offer, they didn't accept it, and the player decided that he he knew he was going to be first choice at Atalanta. He's not he wasn't going to be first choice at Inter because you got Marcos Taram, you got Lautaro. So I think for, for him he wanted to play, he wanted to get back into it. Um and and it just made sense for for Scamacca to 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 do that. I think it's risky because Inter fans, myself included, we wanted Scamacca. I wanted that profile. I personally don't I'm very skeptical of the Balogun thing. I think he's one good season in France. You know what kind of striker he is. He's a fox-in-the-box kind of striker. I think, I, th- I can't remember who it was, if it was Rio Ferdinand who likened him to, or was it Martin Keon, sorry, who likened Balogun to Ian Wright, um, mm. which I think is a fair c- comparison. And I wanted a different p- profile, but Inter's directors did not. Um, and that's just how it is. So, I personally think Inter are risking it a little bit here. If they don't get Balogun, they're screwed because with all due respect to Beto, he's nowhere near the class that a player that Inter needs to be at. 
um, of a player that need you know of a player that's good enough to play for Inter. I'm sorry, he's just not. It's 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 another Korea situation again. As much as I love Beto, he was on the podcast. Lovely guy, lovely, fantastic, lovely person, but he's just not good enough to play at Inter. Um, so I think they're risking it a little bit. But it seems that Balogun has got his head completely. Made up, made up for Inter. Okay, well, let's talk about Schumacher first. But, let's talk about Schumacher now. So, is 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 this a good move for him to to relaunch? His, I think so. To relaunch I his think career so. because he becomes the marquee signing at Atalanta. He becomes the focal point at Atalanta. He becomes the guy who Gasparini is going to build around. Um, everything will go through him, and I think that's what he wants. Um, and I think that's the kind of player he needs to be. You know, he's the kind of character that if you're going to get the most out of him, you need to make him the focal point of the attack. He's physically a monster. He's big as hell. He's strong, but he's also technical. He knows how to play with his back against the goal. He's a good player. Um, link up. He's, he's tech, you know, he, he can create nothing out of something out of nothing. And he'll play for a team that will attack a lot. So he will get, see a lot of the ball. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's a great signing for him. I think it's a great move for Atalanta. Again, at Inter, he would have been the third striker behind Turam and Lautaro or competing with them for a starting spot. Here, he is the indisputable number one. Um, I'm torn. I'm a little bit torn because I'm, I'm feeling like Skimeka, what is he, 25? He's going to be 25 yeah. soon. Um, you know, he's not he's not a young kid now. No. And I feel like if I look at where, looked at where Skimeka was when he was when he was coming through two, three years ago, you know, I, I would have been expected him to play for a, for a bigger club with all due respect than, than Atalanta now. And, and yes, of course, he had a he had a bad year at West Ham. We'll come to that in a second. But I feel like, you know, playing for Atalanta, I mean, should he have pushed more for the inter move and, and seen to, if that could have he could have made that move happen? Because I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm sure he will do well at Atalanta. I'm sure he, he will do well. But I'm looking at this through the lens of the Italy national team. Um, you know, I, I want to see Italy's best players playing for the biggest clubs and playing, in the, Champions, playing in the Champions League. And whether Atalanta are going to allow him to increase his level. I mean, of course, he's, he's still young enough. He could stay at Atalanta for a year, two years, and then maybe then make the move to, a, to one of the, the, the giants of, of Italian football. But... I guess, you know, maybe I'm a little bit disappointed in looking at the trajectory of, of Skamaka that here we are where he's had the choice, the, 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 the opportunity potentially to join one of the bigger clubs even after a bad season at West Ham and he's settled with and accepted to join Atalanta. Um, so, you know, I... I, I think this is a concern. statement signing by Atalanta. I think Atalanta. Oh, for Atalanta's point of view, it's fantastic. I mean, you, you can even say... You know, well, as we discussed so many times on this show with Napoli winning the Scudetto last season and four different winners, could Atalanta even potentially be a dark horse? I think Atalanta bought, are a dark horse. They bought they bought Schemaka, they bought um, El Bilal Torre, um, who was their record signing, but Schemaka now might overtake that if you include the add-ons. Um, they've they've spent that money with the Hoyland money. De Ketelé will, will come to in a bit as well. I mean, Schemaka and Torre could play together together in attack in a you know in a 3-4-1-2 or I mean, they, they play other systems they've got lots of options now uh, in, in attack there's lots of goals in the team so for Atalanta it's fantastic I think I mean, it's a brilliant signing by Atalanta and I think it's good for the Serie A that you have you don't have a like we've spoken the Serie A is this tight and this exciting because no team has the financial muscles to hoard all the talent up to hoover them all up and they're all spread around and Atalanta are 
as we discussed for the last two weeks and for two years now, they are pound for pound the best run club in the world. Um, it's a small provincial side from Bergamo that continues to find talent, develop and know how to sell. And they've competed in Europe. They've been in the Champions League. And I think they're rebuilding now. Um, and with, you know, with uh, Gasperini, the talent that they've got in terms of firepower up front, they absolutely can be a side that challenge that they will that can, that can finish in the top four. And maybe if all goes well, if the stars align, they could even, you know, they could be a dark horse for the Serie A title for sure. Definitely challenge the top four. I mean, I think the, the race for top four is, is so tight. guaranteed to be so tight again mm. next, next season, mm. uh, you know, after, after this. And I mean, why it didn't work out at West Ham? I mean, I think that's a very easy question to answer. Yeah, I mean, just go listen all, to our podcast predict- last year when we yeah. discussed why it wouldn't work out at West Ham. Yeah, and um, I, and I, and to be honest with you, I I absolutely agree with him sacking his agent um, uh, for 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 making that move happen because that is terrible career management from his agent. Um, who was his agent, by the way? I can't um, remember who it was. Um, yeah, whoever his agent was or his agency, terrible career management. But it's not just, yeah, but at the end of the day. Lack under, I mean, yes, he can accept it, but, you know, some footballers are not the smartest. This guy comes from a background where he's not, hasn't had a very privileged upbringing and education. No, he's had a very horrible He's had a very difficult upbringing. Yeah. This is where you need people that work in your best interest. And whoever was working was not working in his best interest. They were looking at the money. They were looked at the big, the, the, the wages, the Premier League move. And it was not, and he's absolutely right to have sat them because it was a terrible move, and anybody with any understanding of football could see that it was not going to work out at West Literally Ham. Literally, everyone with a, knew. With a defensive foot, with defensive football, counter-attacking football, a manager who the Scottish Allegri, as I call him, who doesn't get the best out of young attackers at all. He cannot develop attackers or uh, develop attacking players, and or just rely on. And I mean, Marco, that Mikel Antonio, his former teammate, said it himself. Schumacher is a great player, but. West Ham doesn't suit him because, and I quote, he fe- is feeding off scraps. No, as a striker, he says, <laughs> as a striker, you feed off of scraps when you play yeah. for a late, for, for a late, um, for a moist. <laughs> moist. Um, yeah. It's that, that's, that's what he said on that podcast. And that's his teammate. And, and that's, that's why I didn't want him to go to West Ham. I didn't mm. think that football would suit him. I think he would have used him in a, you know, he's not, he's a big guy, but he's not that, He's not that striker. Like it's he, not good for any young attacker when you play for a manager like Moyes or a manager that. No, that I think someone like Petania would have been perfect for Moyes because he's big. He, he's an oaf. He doesn't know how to. He's not very good with his feet. You know, he's just a like a Jan Koller. Like that's the kind of striker that he likes. And and yeah. Petania is that kind of guy. He's not very technical. He doesn't. He doesn't know how to move properly. He, he's slow. You know, that's the kind of strikers that you know David Moyes like. But Skamaka is big, but he's not that striker. We just hope that he can resurrect himself, though, because at that age, it's, it's you know, you lose a year in your developmental uh, key age like that is, you know. But let's remember also that he did play with an entire with an injured meniscus all of last year, and he had that finally had that surgery, and I think the reason why he went to Atalanta is also because I don't see another Premier League club or a Real Madrid or a PSG or anyone else coming in for Skamaka in in one or two years' time. I think. If the difference is had he gone to Inter, then that's it. He stays at Inter. But his chances of fulfilling his dream of going to Roma are much bigger if he goes to Atalanta than he goes to than if he goes to Inter, for sure. And I think that's his goal. He wants to play for Roma at some point in his career, and I think the next club that he goes to will be that, mm, unless we'll he has one of these 
crazy break breakout seasons and really becomes the new Italian Ibrahimovic and you know you mm. have the biggest top creme de la creme clubs in the world fighting out for him well that it, the, the pitch will decide as, mm. as they say um so Inter go for Balogun now is that is that how you, is that what Balogun's you see? been the number one target all along for for the management directors and it's personally I don't think tactically it's not my choice he's more of a Ciro Immobile than he is of a Romelu Lukaku and I think that I would have rather have gone for a similar profile to Lukaku given how well it looked when things clicked last season but they want if you look at it from their perspective he's a young young player but above all it's not just that he's you know people say it's because he's American and he help market in you know I think they don't think about stuff like that they don't understand marketing just go look at their social media content and you'll understand that Inter are not, they're not the marketing aspect of things is not what decides things at that club what does decide things is the fact that it's finances and Balogun is a solid investment because he's young he is American yes but he's also English homegrown remember that he played for England um, he grew up you know he counts as a homegrown player for 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 the Premier League which means and we all know that that means money in that at some point over the next two, three years, Inter can cash in big on this guy um, if he, if, you know, if he does, if he has a good career. Um, they'll get, at the very least, they'll get the, the return on their investment unless, they'll get their investment back un, unless he, um, unless he injures himself seriously like Tammy Abraham uh, has, has done, unfortunately, at Roma. But they, they're looking for options, different options. I mean, you've got Lautaro, Who's a nine and a half? You have Turam, who's more like Jekyll. You have you have if you bring this guy in, you have a striker that gets in around the back and is more of a finisher in the box. I think Martin, Martin Keon's comparison to Ian Wright is, is pretty spot on. Um, and then you have Joaquin Correa, and if he leaves, they're looking at Alexis Sanchez on a free. You know, so so you can see the different profiles that they're looking for. That he, they want to have different options for different games. To me, that suggests they want to they want to compete on all fronts. When you do that, the midfield definitely suggests that. The wing back suggests that. So that that's what that's what I feel when I watch this. When, when I think of Balogun, but I mean, like you said, the pitch will decide. Um, I think Balog, but but then again, it's also risky because if you miss miss on miss out on Balogun, you're screwed. You're screwed. And I don't like it when Inter put all their eggs in one basket. No, yeah, well, we'll see how that develops. Um, one thing is for sure that Inter finally have a goalkeeper now, Jan Sommer. Uh, medical on Monday, I believe, uh, as I've seen many Inter fans say. Uh, it's gone on for so long that Sommer almost became winter. <laughs> um, but they do finally have uh, Jan Sommer uh, in the summer. Um, so, six million. Are you happy with this deal? And also, can you just answer what is going to happen with the backup? Because I see Trubin is probably going to Benfica. Yeah. So, are Inter going to sign another goalkeeper? I mean, they surely yeah. still need a backup goalkeeper. They do they? need a backup goalkeeper, and I think there there could be a solution between Aldero and Stankovic. But in, but you got to be we got to be honest here. Stankovic is impressed in preseason, um, and it wouldn't harm like Inter or not are seriously considering keeping him as a second goalkeeper. I don't want that to happen for his sake because he's a young goalkeeper. He spent two seasons on loan in the Dutch first and second division in Volendam, and he did really well there. And I want him to continue playing and sitting on the bench at Inter does not exactly help him grow. A goalkeeper needs minutes. 
um, more than any position, uh, to be honest. And I think so. But I so I really hope that they send him out on loan so he can play and because he needs to grow. I really believe in him. I mean, nothing would be better for Inter than than Stankovic to become you know another Stankovic at Inter, a goalkeeper, a young goalkeeper at that. Uh, it would it would really be the stuff of dreams. You know, he grew up at the club, so that that would be absolutely fantastic for Inter if that happens. Uh, but in order for that to happen, he needs to play, and and I don't think he. You know, so I, I hope that they do this loan swap deal with Sampdoria that is being talked about um, just for a season uh, to to allow Stankovic to continue growing in the Serie B. But no, Trubin, I think is uh, it seems yeah. I mean, when when Benfica walks in and gives you, I mean, essentially it's a co ownership. If we're honest, they're giving forty forty five percent of the future sell on fee to Shakhtar. I mean, that's that's as close as you can get to a to a co ownership deal almost. So. Um, you know the the backup situation doesn't matter. What matters is that Jan Sommer is in Milan. Inter finally got the player, and I and and the fact that he's also he played with Marcus Turam, it makes sense. You know they played together at Gladbach. They linked up really well at Gladbach, and I think that's that's a link up that Inter fans should look out for. Everyone should be looking at because I think that's something. Given how Sommer plays with his feet and the balls that he hits high up the pitch to directly to Turam, that's that's a link up that Inzaghi will use a lot. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, and just before we finish off on on Atalanta, Charles Diketere is set him. is set for Atalanta. Um, they've agreed to sign him on a loan deal, one year loan deal, probably about three million, with a buy option attached of around twenty one, twenty two million. Uh, with with then with add ons, about four to five million in add ons um, on top of that, uh, and then a ten percent uh, uh, future resale clause um, as well. Um, it looks like this is is going to happen. Um, we're recording on Monday. This will happen either Monday or Tuesday. It looks like. Um, so the big question is: Can he resurrect his career at Atalanta? I think he can. I think this is the perfect move for him. Um, I think the step up from Club Rouge to Milan was too big. Um, obviously, Milan went underwent changes. Pioli doesn't seem to really believe in him. This is this is the ideal solution. I think. I think Atalanta, and the way that the deal is structured as well, it's a 22 million option, not an obligation. It's an option, isn't it? Um, and that suggests that they're covering, you know, they're hedging their bets. If he were to be a dud, then they just send him back to Milan. But if he's a star, they'll buy him for 22 and then they can flog him on for 40, 50, 60, 70, as they seem to be able to do quite easily. Mm-hmm. And he's from Belgium, he's young. No, it's uh, it's a great deal for Atalanta, and I hope for him as well. I, th- I think he will do well there. I really think it's a smaller place. It's not as much pressure as around Milan. You know, he he'll be in a in a, in a more familial environment as Bergamo. Uh, I I think this is, is for me. It ticks every box, and I think that he, the fact that he's got Scamacca in front of him, they can. They I think that attack is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think. Look, I think it's a risk for Atalanta's point of view. I think it's a risk that's worth taking. The risk versus reward is in Atalanta's favour because if it, if he is a flop, then well, they've lost three million and and it's not the end of the world. Um, especially having made so much money on the Resmus Hoyland deal. Uh, if it's a success, then that's fantastic. He, he has a good season with them. 
they sign him, they can they can keep him for another season, or they can sell him on uh, at a big profit. So I think the risk versus reward, I think it's a, a risk worth taking for Atalanta. Um, nothing that I've seen from De Ketteler in the last year, either for for Milan or I watched him in the in the under twenty one Euros as well for for Belgium. Nothing suggests to me in that he's going to be a success, even for Atalanta. I've seen nothing <laughs> at all. I have to be honest with you. Um, but you know, the, the the he's obviously got a great left foot, and obviously he was wanted by so many. I didn't watch him much before he joined uh, before he joined Milan, so I, I can't go on that. Um, but I think one thing I, I do think I do think that the formation should suit him at Atalanta mm. because they they play a kind of a three four one two slash three four two one. And I think that is his. That's where he needs to play. He needs to play in that hole behind the striker or strikers. And I think, I think this this system will suit him perfectly. He's not an outside winger, that's for sure. He doesn't have the pace for it. Uh, he likes to just roam around, uh, kind of picking up the ball on the edge of the box. Uh, he's good in those kind of little areas. Um, so I think that the formation will suit him, and he'll also be in a clear system and we know we've seen it so many times at Atalanta that yeah. the Gasparini system if you can get suit if you can get adjusted to it and adapt to it he, he can fly. make everyone you can you can maximize everyone mm. uh, and there's obviously you know you can see there's clear talents you can see he's got a lovely left foot he's graceful he's got elegance you know why not why can't Gasparini make him the new Ilicic for example they're not too dissimilar um so so, yeah, let's see what happens. I think it's a risk worth taking. Um, from the Milan point of view, he's there's no doubt he's one of the biggest Bidani we've ever seen in yeah. Serie A. He's like one of the worst saw. signings Milan have ever done. I mean, if he, but given that he's leaving uh, now. Um, so, yeah. yeah, there's no doubt that it's, that Mal, that's probably Maldini's, you know, Maldini and Masara's biggest, like the biggest X on the Probably record. what done Maldini in, yeah. to be honest with yeah. you. Could be. It's, it's, it's what ended him, really, because mm. I think it was this deal that really finished him off, I think. Mm. Obviously, there were other issues, but, you know, they went for him over... Um, who was it? Uh, they, they chose... Uh, Dybala, wasn't it? Yeah. Paolo Dybala. Yeah. It was Paolo Dybala that, you know, they had the deal done for Paolo Dybala. Um, and um, we were told that by Vito Angela when, um, when he came on to do the Milan uh, deep dive podcast uh, earlier in the summer. And he said, and I asked him, you know, why was Maldini sacked? And, you know, he, he said that uh, Milan had done a deal, the Milan management um, had done a deal for, for Dybala, and, but Maldini insisted for, for De Ketteler instead at a cost of, you know, 40 million. So, yeah, absolutely. He was he was a total disaster. I think, what was it, one one assist, zero goals in 40 appearances. And just somebody that looked very low in confidence, no personality, no intensity, um, just weak on the ball, pushed off the ball. Um, let's see if he can if he can uh, uh, resurrect his career at, at Atalanta. I think um, so. I, I think he'll do well there, and I think Atalanta's firepower is going to be very interesting. Um, uh, I, I think they're going to. Yeah, we have score to see if players leave because they, they're going to have to sell players. I mean, Zapata, Muriel, Lookman. I mean, they've all been. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Atalanta will try and get rid of the first two, but even Lookman's been linked with an exit. Mm. Um, you know, Bog has already gone, so there's a lot of change. There's a lot of change. Yeah, there no, they're, the they're you know they, they they're changing. It's it's the summer of change in the Serie A, isn't it? It really is the summer of change in all clubs. Um, yeah, for sure. Talking about change, changing clubs. Um, the Dusan Vlaovic Romelu Lukaku swap 
negotiations. We'll really get into it this 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 week. I think this will be the key week in deciding if Vlaovic and Lukaku uh, swap Juventus and Chelsea. Um, Juventus wants fifty million plus Lukaku for for Vlaovic, but will settle for forty. Uh, Chelsea's starting point is is very low, maybe even as low as twenty uh, plus plus Lukaku for 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 Vlaovic. So. There is a big bridge there that needs to that there needs to be they need they need to come to some kind of compromise. The next, I think, 48, 72 hours, I think we'll, we'll, we'll get a clear picture whether this is a deal that is 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 going to go through. But what I want us to discuss um, today is I want us to look at the winners and losers of this deal if it does go through. So I want to go through each each party. First of all, Romelu Lukaku, if he goes to Juventus, uh, is he a winner or is he a loser? I don't know what to even begin to to talk about what Lukaku the man his his decision making in the career moves the only good career move he made was going to Inter on the Conte that was the only one that made sense and that's and in he was fantastic he was the peak of his career but since then going to Chelsea uh, arguing doing that interview when he was at Chelsea 3 months in destroying his burning his bridges completely with Chelsea after three months of being their record signing, then going to Inter on loan, failing, flopping, and then doing this. If he goes to Juve, he will become the biggest traitor for Inter fans in modern in Inter's modern history. There is no he will be the biggest Judas to Inter fans. No doubt about it. Um he will be hated to the point where I can't even begin to describe how much hatred he will bring up because he was a player who professed his love to Inter. He was a player who professed that he always wanted to play for Inter. Adriano was my childhood idol, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes and does all this stuff. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do I think he will work for in an Allegri system at Juve? Yes, I actually think so. I don't think he'll ever be the striker he was under Antonio Conte, but do I think he'll score 15, 20 goals in the Serie A and maybe even win the Serie A with Juve and playing for Allegri? Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe that's how he looks at it, short term, getting back into it, being the main guy. And we know that, uh, that Lukaku needs to be the main guy everywhere he goes. At Inter, he's no longer the main guy. The main guy is Lautaro Martinez. Um, yeah, I, I find it. I've, we've spoken about this at length before. I, I, from Lukaku's point of view, um, I find it. I do find it a bit strange. Uh, also, because I mean, Juventus is not in the Champions League either. But maybe, maybe he's been promised that uh, Antonio Conte is going to be there in a year. Maybe we, there's that dynamic to it as well. Um, maybe in his own mind, he sees this as revenge against Inter because he's unhappy about how last season went uh, for whatever reason and not playing in the Champions, starting the Champions League final, all that kind of stuff. Um, maybe in his own mind, that's what he thinks. Um, but, you know, time will tell. From Dusan Vlaovic's point of view, uh, I think it's a risk from, from Vlaovic's point of view. Um, in terms of, for starters, he leaves Juventus, then he then that's concedes that his, his time at Juventus was a failure. You know, he, that this will be looked at as a failure in his career. His, his move to Juventus was a failure. So it's, that's bad on his resume there. The risk is also risky because Chelsea are a mess. I mean, the club is a total mess. Uh, their, their transfer market over the last year has been laughable. I don't think it's been much better this this window. They've sold a lot of players and made good money. But again, the players they've brought in, it just looks haphazard and, and, and chaotic. And 
you can't really see much of a method in terms of what they're trying to build there. Um, so he's coming into a, to a very disjointed team who, at this, even with Vlaovic and the team, I don't see Chelsea qualifying for the top four. We have to see who else comes in this window. If they bring in Caicedo and they bring in some other players, and yeah, maybe they can, but I think it's going to be difficult for them to even get in the top four. They're definitely not going to challenge for, for, the, for the title. They're not going to be in the Champions League. So, you know, he's going to a club that's almost in as much of a mess as Juventus were, obviously, with, with infinitely more resources. Um, on a positive, though, point of view, I think he's working for a manager who's very good at developing young players, uh, Pochettino, who... We saw what he did to Harry Kane, uh, who was a similar age when Pochettino started working with him as 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 Kane as uh, uh, Vlaovic is now. So that could be good for for Vlaovic's career that he's got a manager that can develop young attackers, which obviously Allegri can't do. Um, so I think I think uh, that's good. Um, if we move on to Juventus, though, is this a good move? Is this a or are Juventus a winner or a loser bringing in Lukaku? For Juve, I think it's it makes perfect sense because they get a player who they'll will probably cost them less in wages because I think they can use the decreta crescita for another year. Mm-hmm. They get 30, 40 million euros in cash, and they move a, uh, a Vlaovic who's been who's not working, and it's, it's just you know for them it makes perfect sense financially. Um, and they have no, and they have to make money. Juve have to offload players, and they have to start bringing in cash. It's as simple as that. So I don't think Juve have much of a choice here. So for them, it's good. Um, from that aspect, also, I think this is a guy who works for them uh, tactically in terms of Allegri, and if Conte comes in, Conte as well. So, you know, again, Lukaku, you know, Juve need to get back into the Champions League first of all. Um, that's the goal. And will Lukaku help them achieve that goal? Absolutely. I think so, without a doubt. There's no doubt in my mind that you will finish top four next season. And I think L- Lukaku almost guarantees that. Um, because he, the way that he plays, the, the, you know, he's, he is a striker who will get those 15, 20 goals against the, against your Lecce's, against your Empoli's, against your Monza's, you know, the unsexy goals. But they all mean three points. And you have only the Coppa Italia and the Serie A to play in. So for Juve, it makes perfect sense. And Allegri will make him the main guy. And I also think that, you know, given that we know that Lukaku can play with his back against the goal, his link-up play is good. I think that'll also be good for Chiesa as well. I think that'll get that'll really get Chiesa firing as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that from a... If we're looking at it in the short term, the short-term game for Juventus could be, could be good because they're bringing in a player that doesn't need to be developed. He's no. ready. Uh, and, you know, again, we've, we've talked it to death about Allegri. Allegri needs ready-made, especially in attack, needs mm. ready-made players because he can't develop players. So that that that's that's a positive. But from a mid to long-term move from Juventus, it makes no sense, uh, as we've discussed. I mean, Allegri could leave next year, for starters. Um, financially, you're bringing in a player for a lot of money. Uh, you're relinquishing a player that's 23 that has a big sell-on value. Uh, for someone that's got no sell-on value uh, and won't, you won't be able to sell him. Um, and you're bringing, on a, bringing a player who's 30 years old and is going to decline in one, two years uh, versus a player who, if he was developed correctly, could be playing for Juventus for five, eight, ten years. Um, so, you know, it doesn't... Again, it, it smacks of short-termism and the whole thing that I've been complaining about with Juventus for a good four to five years and that there's been no project in terms of building uh, a core of a team around a group of players who can be together 
for a period of time. Uh, and, you know, this is another short-term signing. The positive for me is that, yes, of course, they do need to make money. We know that. But the, positive, the biggest positive is that if Vlaovic leaves, Chiesa definitely stays. Yeah. Um, and if you ask me, who do I want to stay at Juventus out of Vlaovic and Chiesa, it's probably Chiesa. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they have to make a sacrifice. I think um, for, just from a Vlaovic point of view, I think this is good for him. I think Pochettino is the perfect... If Pochettino can't get Vlaovic to become a striker that knows how to play with his back against the goal, I don't think anyone can. Then, then that's it for him at a big club, because every at a at big clubs you have to be able to play with your back against the goal, and Vlaovic is yet to do that. And but we've seen what Pochettino, how good he is at developing young players. I mean, you saw what Deli Ali said of Pochettino about how his relationship with him—he was almost like a like a like a second father to him. Mm. Um, and and I think you know Pochettino is. I think that that really speaks good for, for volumes for Vlaovic that he can really develop under Vla, uh, under Pochettino if he puts his mind to it and you know fresh start it's the Premier League it's the biggest stage in the world Chelsea are a big club Pochettino is great at developing young players he's also someone who understands the human and the person behind the player which I think is very important too so I think for for Vlaovic I get it I really do yeah uh, and for, for Serie A, oh no, for Chelsea, first of all, I think, you know, I think it's I think it's a risk for Chelsea as well. I mean, financially, it's good in that they get Lukaku off their books mm. and they're investing in a young player with a sell-on value. But it's a risk in that, you know, we've seen from Vlaovic in the last 18 months what we've seen. So, of course, you're always taking a risk when you're bringing in a player who's been in bad, mm. been playing badly for a long period of time. And, and also, <laughs> given that Chelsea really do need a number nine. They really uh, do. They really do. I mean, they've got Nicholas Jackson. He's been doing well in preseason, but, you know, they need a guarantee. Vlaovic, you know, he's probably not a guarantee. So, you know, it's a, it's a risk. It's a risk and there's always a risk. Um, I think from a Serie A point of view, again, it, it's it's probably not a good look for Serie A um, PR-wise in that, again, we're losing another young star uh, for, a, for a, let's be honest, for an EPL, for a Premier League cast-off. Um, so I don't think it's good. Yeah, he's a Chelsea reject. There's no doubt about that. There's a Premier League reject. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. So I don't think it's a good look. You know, the, the whole image that Serie A has of oh, you know. It, but that it don't can't. worry. DJ Khaled on Instagram will fix that. Don't <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. A few <laughs> more. If you you know get the Kardashians on Instagram and TikTok and you're you're sorted. That yes. seems to be the level that, that the Serie yeah. A is doing. Conquer in North America, according to the, yeah, the, the marketing geniuses in Serie A. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, right. Okay. Just, just very, very quickly, staying on Juventus, we're going over as usual. Um, Donnarumma. So this is a story that uh, Sport Italia and uh, Alfredo Pedula have, 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 have said that um, there's been an exploratory inquiry uh, for Donnarumma. Um, from Juventus, um, we know that the situation at PSG is not good at the moment. Um, his, I mean, a horrific um, uh, robbery um, that that took place where he was, him and his girlfriend were held at gunpoint yeah. in, in their home. So that's obviously not helped matters. Um, there was some fake news going around that Luis Enrique wanted to, to sell Donnarumma. Yeah. Now. That is probably is fake news, but I have no doubt whatsoever. I can see an issue coming here with with, with Luis Enrique because we know Luis Enrique wants players to be able to wants goalkeepers who are good with their feet. It's crucial to his way of playing, and we know Don Rummer is not good with his feet, and he's never going to be mm. suitable to Luis Enrique. So, so I can see might not be now, 
but six months down the line, I can see I can see this being a potential problem. So I don't see it happening this summer, Donnarumma to to Juventus, um, but end of next year, end of next season, if Luis Enrique is going to stay, and that's no guarantee either. If they get knocked out of the Champions League, El Khalifa might have rid of Luis Enrique as well. Um, I do think this is one to to keep an eye on. Chesney's contract expires in 2025. Um, what do you think? I think it's, um, I've always thought that at some point Donnarumma will go to Juve. Um, and I think Sandro Tonali will join him in a couple of years' time as well. I think that's, that's the... Um, at some point, I expect Tonali and Donnarumma to go to Juve. Uh, and I think within a year or two, I think Donnarumma will go. And maybe a couple of years later, one or, year, one or two years after that, Tonali will join. Um, I think they, 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 that's, that's the strategy. I mean, Juve are building around. They're all going Italian, aren't they? The Milans, or the Inter and Juve are really going with their Italian core. And, and Donnarumma and Tonali are going to be mainstays in the Italian national team. Um, and I expect Donnarumma to, he's not going to be, he's hes going, he's not going to, the, the next step from PSG, if he wants to take a step upwards, would be if he went to Man City or Real Madrid or something like that. And that's just not going to happen because um, he's not that character. And I think Juve would be a safe place. It would secure him playing at a top level. It would be good for the Italian national team. Um, you know, Juve, we know how good they are at protecting players and their families and making everyone happy. And he'll fold in line, uh, I'm sure, uh, as well. So, no, for me, it's just a matter of time before Donnarumma and Tonali end up at Juve, to be honest. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned for Donnarumma uh, under Luis Enrique. Um, but, you know, what? I don't really like the work that... I mean, I'm a big fan of Luis Enrique as a coach. I think he's fantastic and it's a great appointment by PSG. But I don't like the transfer work of, of PSG this summer. I mean, Messi's gone... Um, and if, if, if Mbappe, I mean, the situation's a total farce there. Even if he stays, like, it's a total shambles there. Uh, so you lose Messi. You lose Mbappe. Uh, potentially lose Verratti as well. Um, and, and you know, I don't... The signings that come in, I mean, they don't... Certainly from the midfield going forward. I mean, Dembele, okay, I mean, I like him. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. <clears throat> it's a lot of uh, uncertainty and it doesn't seem like a very stable environment at the moment, PSG. No, um, it doesn't. Talking about uh, stability, um, Cas- Gaetano Castrovilli's No, no, knee. no, no. I'm not letting you off the hook. You're reacting to Weston McKenney staying at Juve. I'm not, no, no, oh. no, 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 no. Don't you try to smooth talk your way out of this. I want to hear you react to Weston McKenney staying at Juve. Please What proceed. do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? <laughs> what do you want me to say? Do you want me to shoot myself live on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, like I, I think we I, should acknowledge that he was good in the friendly against Real. Oh, Madrid. fantastic! He was good in a couple of friendlies in a in a pre <laughs> in a, in a, in, a, in pre season tournament in the United States. I mean, wow, whoopee! I, mean, <laughs> I think we should ignore acknowledge that Juve played really well in that game. I don't care about the result, but I think the way that Juve played against Real Madrid, they looked really good. And it looks like things, based on what we've seen on the pitch so far. Okay, you know what? I take back everything that I've said about McKenney. Everything that we've seen from McKenney in the last three or four years. These two games in pre-season. 
These two games in preseason show that I was wrong and that Weston McKenney is a world-class midfielder <laughs> and he's going to have a fantastic season for Juventus next season. There we go. Are you happy? Oh, my God. Oh, days. <laughs> no, but I know the people listening I will be very happy. No, but no. seriously, um, do you think he'll stay at Juventus? Um, well, what I understand is that he was obviously for sale um, at the start of the summer, mm. but he's played really well in these in these two games, and that now Juventus are reflecting on his on his uh, on his future. Um, Don't you think that he has a role to play at Juve as a rotation player? Like Robert? no, you're winding me up now. No, <laughs> he's not. He's not. No, he's, he's not Juventus quality. He's way off Juventus quality, miles off. It doesn't matter if you play well in a preseason. Frick. Friendlies are friendly. Yeah, I know, you know, I know. And and uh, you know he's he's a fit player. He's very fit uh, when he gets himself in, sh- in shape. You know he might like a burger, but he, he's somebody that runs athletic with ranch sauce on it. He gets he can get up and down. And it and in you know I'll tell you a Bedford story. Right? Yes. Um, when I was playing, for, I was playing for a preseason. I was playing for a, for a team um, before I made my final final retirement. I was playing for a team. <laughs> about 15 years ago he wasn't the best team in the world you know he didn't have the best players best coach he wasn't it wasn't a great team um but in pre-season like we won every single game we hammered everyone because we got so super fit we were so far ahead in Mm. terms of fitness like we Mm. started training like in june yeah um i remember the world cup was on it was during 2010 world cup and we, we started training training. We were so super fit that we just were beating everyone. And even like some, we had some really crap players. Like they were scoring, they were playing well because they were just fitter and sharper than everyone than else. Everyone else. Yeah. And, and, in, and in pre-season, sometimes you can get some players like that mm. that, that can look really good in pre-season because they're just so much sharper than everyone else. Um, so <laughs> I'm not so, I don't know if that's the case with McKenney, but I mean, <laughs> just watching, watching for Leeds oh last God. season. Ask Leeds fans. Honestly, Leeds... You think I get? No, 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 no. Leeds McKinney. fans I saw online, they were, f- oh my days. Don't, uh, honestly, M- Weston McKenney is the most unwelcome person in Leeds. I think so as honestly. well. I saw that. I saw that. I saw what happened on social media at Leeds fans. I don't think I've ever seen that yeah. much hatred towards They them. absolutely hate, detest him. Honestly, yeah. they, they make me look like I'm, I'm Yeah, a, they do. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a super fan. Yeah, of, they of do. They were, they were the not very... There was, <laughs> there was one space on Twitter that they had. I think it was with McKenny's friends and one Leeds fan went after McKenny. It was very, very, <laughs> very funny. Well, they were chanting him. Do you remember the last game of the season when Leeds got relegated and then... Yeah. Some of the Leeds players kind of went to clap towards the, the, the fans, and McKenny kind of half went over, and they just laid into him. Mm. They, they were calling him a fat bastard, and yeah, they, they, they pissed off back to America. And, yeah, and it was horrible. This. It was really, really it was, the abuse was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, right, okay, enough of McKenny. Um, <laughs> just, I want to, I want to get your take on Castrovilli because I was a little bit concerned about this because mm. first of all, the news came out that that Gaetano Castrovilli was was joining Bournemouth. Uh, and um, um, the deal had been done, 12 million plus add-ons. And I thought to myself, at first I was kind of depressed about this because I thought 12 million and he's going to Bournemouth. Um, you know, and I'm a big fan of Castrovilli as a player. I love watching him play. I, I, think he's a, I think he's a super talent. Obviously very unlucky with the ACL um, that, that he had that he's just come back from uh, towards the end of last season. And I was really depressed. I was thinking... This kind of just sums up the state of modern football. Um, you know, really talented Italian 
player for, for, for one of the better Serie A clubs and he's going to Bournemouth in the Premier League. And then the, then the news came out that the deal had, had collapsed, it failed his medical. And, and then I was even more depressed because I learned that it was because there's concerns over his knee, the ACL, MCL, and meniscus surgery that he had last year. Bournemouth were concerned about the state of his knee. And then I thought to myself, well, were Fiorentina actually just selling him because they know something that they're not sure about, about his fitness going well, forward, long-term fitness? When we had Nicolò Misul on, he said that you know, Fiorentina, he's not going to extend his contract. They've mismanaged that situation. He doesn't want to extend his contract with Fiorentina or he's asking for wages that Fiorentina can't really afford. Mm. Um, and he's seeing wants to see out that contract. And so the 12 million plus add-on fee from Bournemouth was a blessing from from above um, for them. Now I think Fiorentina are going to lose him on a free transfer. And I think he will see how <clears throat> who will go after him, of course. Um, but we know that Inter have been interested in this player for many, many years. It's like Inter fans joke online about Auxilio and Marotta's list is like it's like an exclusive club. Once you make the list, you're always in there, and you'll the, the list rarely gets updated. You, it's very difficult to get thrown out of the list. <laughs> it's like you have to do something like Lukaku to get thrown out of the club. Castro really made the club the list a few years ago, and he's been there since. His contract expires next year, and I think you know if you know with with Amrabat gone and. You know, I, I think he will have his minutes, and I think he will. I hope that he does well because he's a player I really, really like. When I first saw him, and I rate him mm. just like you do. I hope it is due to the contract <clears throat> thing, and it isn't. I mean, obviously, he's failed a medical. So if you fail a medical, you fail a medical. That's always a concern. Yeah. Um. So you know, because there's always worries when you come back from. I mean, ACL, MCL, and it's not. I mean, right. I think the fail the medical thing is a little bit harsh. It's more like. The doctor makes his assessment based on the medical if the risk of injury and so on. And I think Bournemouth's doctor made the, you know, or whoever they used made the assessment that there, there's a risk of him, of, of a recurring injury for his knee and so on at this mm-hmm. point. Um, different doctors can have different opinions on it's that. Not good. It's not good for Borontina, this, either, because no. there's no way they're going to sell him. I mean, no, no, no he's not going to be sold to the Premier League, that's for sure. Well, no, but I mean, no one else is going to come in and pay money for him no. now, knowing no. that he's failed the medical and there's no. concerns over his knee. It's just, no. it's just not, not going to happen. No, no, no. So, uh, this, is, this is something, uh, for him, it's more an issue of, they, you know, if he stays and... Can, I, I actually think it's bad, in a way. Uh, I mean, I guess it's good to be open and honest, but, you know, but... I think it's bad they kind of made this public about yeah. not that they made it come, but it was leaked, obviously, that that he failed a medical um, rather than just oh you know till collapse and 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 that's it um, because I think it is bad for Fiorentina now they, they, mm. that's a damage to, they, I mean they they've really they that's really has I mean he's gonna have to stay Fiorentina are gonna have to try him again and when does this contract run out is it the end of next season yeah I think June twenty twenty four yeah. Okay, well, they're going to lose him for nothing. No, they got. I mean, that's what Nicolò Misul said when we did the Fiorentina deep dive. That there is a concern at Fiorentina about Castorelli that they've might have botched mm. that a little bit. But at the same time, we'll yeah. see what happens. Um, I mean, if he has yeah. a good, you know, I do Fiorentina play him. I think they might have to because a fit Castorelli, I think, walks into the Fiorentina midfield absolutely without Amrabat there, especially. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see what happens. I hope he can stay fit because I, I mean, again, it's a player that was, you know. Was look, looked good for the future of the Italian national. No, he's a 
passed as a bit of a Billy Elliot, wasn't he? Ballet dancer as a youngster. And that's mm. where he gets his twinkle toes and his um, <laughs> his uh, his great uh, low center of gravity when he yeah. moves with the ball. So yeah, he's, he's very fantastic, quick feet. Um, okay, right. Um, Napoli finally have a replacement for Kim Min Jae. Yeah. Um, they, they bought a completely unknown quantity for most most Europeans. Natan, I think I pronounced that right. Mm-hmm. Um, from Red Bull Bragantino, that's the Red Bull club in Brazil. Twenty-two years old, uh, tall, six foot two, left-sided, uh, left centre back. Can also play at left back. Um, good with the ball, good ball carrier, physical, aggressive. Roma tried to sign him last year. Um, time will tell. Um, we'll <laughs> if see. Napoli have done another brilliant, you know, discovery once again. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Be... We we can't really add much. We can't really add much on this. We haven't seen too much. But it's it, going to be but... interesting to see. I mean, there's been talk of you know Rudy Garcia played Raspadori in some sort of a double pivot the other day, and it was. It's it's going to be very interesting <laughs> to see what what happens oh, there. God, he started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. But I mean, you know, I personally think that's insane. Well, Napoli need midfielders. They need yeah. centre midfielders desperately because because um, they 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 already short on central midfielders. Mm. They've obviously lost in Dombele and now um, Garcia has admitted that uh, Zelensky is in negotiations to go to Saudi Arabia. Um, they need to sign at least one, probably two central yeah. midfielders um, do. Napoli. So they're, 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 there's work to do there. Um, talking of Brazilians, uh, Roger Ibanez, uh, Roma are in negotiations to sell him to, to Saudi Arabia for Al-Ali. 25 million plus 10 million as bonuses. Um, I think this will be a really good deal for Roma because it's they already a fantastic have, deal. They already have a replacement in Dicar for who was a free transfer. So mm. that's a fantastic profit that they get a player who's going to be a should be an upgrade. Um, good, good for 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 Ibanez financially as well. Gets 10 million a year. It's just insane the money they're paying there. Um, so yeah, they now so they now have the money to to actually invest in the market. They've basically not been able to sign anyone. Kind of a shame, I guess, because they need a striker that they didn't mm. get this money Early. in time for um, Skamaka. Yeah, Skamaka, yeah. yeah. It is, it's a bit of a, yeah, if he'd, if he'd only waited, hadn't he? I mean, that's the thing with Skamaka, if he'd only waited a little bit longer. Mm. But, you know, maybe yeah, maybe they decide, I mean, maybe they go for Morata because Alvaro Morata is who, who Mourinho really wants, but it doesn't seem like that's the kind of player they're going to go after, to be honest. We'll see. Absolutely. But they definitely need a striker, that's for damn sure. And they'll probably need to buy a, you know, maybe another midfielder as well. But we'll see. Mm. All right, just before we do Badger and Prem Face for the week, uh, finishing off also on Saudi Arabia. So Marco, Marco Verratti could join mm. Al-Hilal. Um, he's already agreed personal terms with Al-Hilal uh, for a contract until 2026, almost 50 million euros a year. Insane. Um and the Saudis, the Saudi club Al Hilal, are now uh, looking to offer around fifty million to PSG. Uh, PSG are asking for for closer to eighty to to sell. So obviously, there's a bit of a gap there. Um, Verratti has agreed to join, but he's also not going to kick up a fuss. Um, so this is one that could go, you know, could go either way. Um, but I mean. This is an interesting one. Now that we're seeing all the players that are going to, to Saudi Arabia, from an Italy national team point of view, is this the end of Verratti's international career if he goes to Saudi Arabia? Or do you think Mancini will and should still be looking to call him, looking ahead for, to the Euros? I think he will continue to call him. Um, I think it's um, at least for should the... He, though? Should <clears throat> he, though? 
Yes. I mean, should Saudi Arabia be seen as a league that give that is a high enough quality that you can stay in the you can stay in the national team? Well, I think it depends on the player in question and the situation. I mean, I've been on the you know my opinion. I think Verratti's kind of on the decline, and has been for for one or two years. So I've, I'm actually looking at this as a kind of a blessing in disguise for Italy. I think Italy need to move away from Verratti um, and and Jorginho. I think they need to start looking to the future. Uh, I think Verratti and Jorginho were fantastic players. One of you know generational players who won the Euro, won Italy the Euros, and we all saw what they can do. But I think it's time to move on, and I think that Verratti and Jorginho, you know, t- time waits for no man. And and I think maybe this could be a good thing. I do think in the long term that it makes it easier. Let's put it like this: it makes it much easier for Mancini to get rid of Verratti this way. Um, had he then had he continued to play in Europe and PSG. Um, but I still think that, you know, I still think he'll call him. And I think if Italy make the Euros, he'll still be part of the squad as things stand right now. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot will depend on who else goes to Saudi Arabia between now and the end of the, the transfer window. The transfer window in Saudi Arabia closes a little bit after yeah. the, the European one. The European one, obviously, the end of the month or September the 1st, or 2nd, I can't remember the exact date. Uh, and uh, I think the Saudi one's a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks later. So, there's still a long time left. Um, if lots more kind of big players go, then the, the, the league gets to a certain quality that maybe you can make the argument that well, actually playing in there doesn't necessarily rule you rule you out or shouldn't rule you out of uh, of playing. Um, so I guess we will, yeah, we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait and see. But it certainly does. Yeah, like you said, it it, it puts his his top level career, his Italy career, at more risk. I'm not ready to write him off though based on kind of six months. But Jorginho, I'm with you. I'm with you on Jorginho. No, I'm just saying that it's it's time to start looking at the future regardless. Like you have to Oh, for, for sure. Life. But I mean, I'm looking, I guess I'm looking at the Euros. Yeah, no, I, I think Verratti's going to be there at the Euros for sure. Um, there's no doubt about it, unless he's injured, of course. But um, I think that it doesn't matter where he, you know, where he went. Like if he goes to Saudi, I don't think that'll impact Mancini's plans because he's planning for the Euros. And I think Verratti will be a key part of that. But I do think that if he goes to Saudi, it'll make it easier to move on after the Euros and start to look at bringing in more players because Italy has an abundance of talent in midfield and sometimes you have to update how you play. And I think with with Tonali, Fratesi, Barella, that that is in, that is Italy's midfield. I think that mm. is that's the starting midfield going into the future for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not long now until the the World Cup, or sorry, the Euro qualifiers uh, resume next month. So, um, yeah, not long to go. Right, let's finish off with Baggio and Premface of the week. Okay, start off with Baggio. I mean, I guess there's only there's only one. Yeah, who do who have you got? Gigi Buffon, of course. Yeah, of course, it has to be. You have to pay tribute to the <clears throat> to him for for the career and. Uh, that we've already discussed, and also I, I really like this appointment uh, that, of him going into the Italian national team. I can't think of a better person, more suitable for that role at this point in time. Yeah, someone who commands the respect of everyone, many of whom mm. he's been teammates with, um, mm. and and they're kind of used to him being the leader uh, in the dressing room as well. I think that it will be very very important. Yeah, not bad uh, goalkeeping coach, uh, <laughs> or, or even a goal, or even a goalkeeper. If we need, yeah. I mean, if things go really bad, they can, you know, GG. What, yeah, we get an injury on the on the brink of the the tournament. Well, don't bother calling someone up. We're no, just, 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 just have GG. Just call GG. Yeah, just ask him. <laughs> say, you know, how, how are you feeling physically? Do you reckon you can do it? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right, Prem face of the week. Oh, there's 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 so oh, much. There's so many. There's so many. So let's start off with the usual Prem face territory. So talk sport, mm. and that is uh, Gabriel Agbon Lahore, who. Um, Couple. First of all, he said that the Aston Villa defender Konsa is better than Rafael Varane. <laughs> they were picking a combined eleven. What is this 11. obsession they have with Rafael Varane? Like, I don't. What, <laughs> it's, I, I don't get it. They, they just don't. They seem to be triggered by him a lot. I don't understand what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first one. But the the, the best one for me was the obligatory, and it's always obligatory oh. at the end. Rasmus Hoyland is unproven as he hasn't played in the Premier League. Yeah. That's no, it, it's, it's, it literally feels like they have a list of things they need to cross out, like cross off the list as soon as a player comes. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter if it's who it is. It's like they're like robots. You can just put anyone in there and they'll say the same things. It's, it's like, it's just on repeat. It's just another day, another, you know, just another person saying the same thing. It's very, very funny. Mm, absolutely. Right. Um, now, number two. Um, so this is... Uh, the Serie A mm. official Twitter uh, site, who we know for many years has been just a complete joke. It's run by people that, that can't even speak English, uh, let alone write English, uh, and tweet stuff like um, apex height. And, and average what, apex what, 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 height. Average no, the apex average height. apex height, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> it's really Which important to show what? Which is we, to show what? It's a really important stat. And it always mm. comes at half time, this like ridiculous stat that don't mean anything. And they just push it out on social and on the broadcast. And no one knows what it means. Mm. <laughs> I have no idea. So they, so they tweeted uh, last week, um, I'll read it out, Roma fans, at the height of their abilities... Which of Mohamed Salah or Daniel De Rossi would you bring back to the club to complement the current squad? I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's just unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, you're asking a Roma fan who they would have, uh, De Rossi or Salah. I mean, you just completely. I mean, it's just. I, mean, do, I don't even need to explain it. I mean, it's just. It's just. It's just ridiculous. Um, so this is. This is. Uh, this is the problem that we have. Um, with um, we're trying to market our league, we have we have people tweeting stuff out like this. <laughs> you know? It's just they it doesn't make any sense. I mean, just I'm just you just have to look at the replies. I mean, they're just getting absolutely slaughtered in the replies. <laughs> like, who is running this account? Um, <laughs> shameful to be a Serie A account and seriously ask this. <laughs> yeah, know, no, no, the just... replies are always funny. The replies are always, always, always funny. Yeah, so. Serie A marketing, doing a great job, eh? <laughs> yeah. um, right, and the final one, uh, I'm not sure whether this is this is. Genuine. I don't even know who those guys are. Yeah. So it's, it's some American podcasters. They're talking about... Um, so Messi, he scored this incredible last-minute free kick for Inter Miami. And there's these, uh, these Americans that are discussing it. And... Um, so uh, let me read it out. So the first guy goes, so Messi, it's his first game in the MLS. The game is tied up. So when it's tied up, it goes to penalty kick, right? <laughs> and Messi, he comes in and he scores the winning penalty kick. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't a penalty kick. It was a free kick to start off and, and they're showing it, but they, they think it's a penalty kick. And then the other guy goes, so he steps up and he scores the winning penalty kick. He scored the winning penalty kick in his first game. And then the other guy goes, that can't just be a coincidence. I mean, he's a legend. So my question is, how do they pick the person 
that's going to take the penalty? Is it the, is it the person that gets penalized or that gets the penalty? They do it by like team captain, and then from there they do it in order of like, oh, okay, so they do. So it was the team captain, so it was Messi, and then the guy goes, "We got breaking news: Messi is going to be the new captain of the MLS." We just oh got breaking God. the new captain of the MLS. The soccer league here in America is Messi. And another guy goes, yeah, I think we could have all seen that coming. <laughs> I'm not trying to do an American accent, by the way. I wouldn't even no, try. But, um, <laughs> that is so that cringy. Was, I think it's. I think that's got to be staged. I, 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 I don't believe. I think so as well. I don't I believe there's anyone that... No. <laughs> I mean, no, it makes no sense. Like, it just feels like it's... I, I don't know. I, that, I mean, talk know. sport where they do prim facery. I believe that's genuine. I don't believe that it's that it's like you said. I think it's purpose. all of. I think some of there is a part of maybe occasionally. Maybe no, occasionally. I, I think they know what they're doing, and they know that they can. Like when you say stupid and outrageous things like that, they know they're going to get interactions, and that will break through the. Like it's a race to the bottom in the media echo echo chamber, where the dumber and more stupid takes that that will piss people off more will will always this is what they're doing they're not interested in educating they're not interested in analyzing contextualizing they're just after to break through say the most outrageous thing that you can because it guarantees reactions and then whatever tabloid that also owns talk sport will do an article on it and they'll get more clicks and this is just how it goes round and round and round and round and round so i think there is an there is an element of that to to it um to be honest, yeah. I think yes, I do think Gabby Agbon Lahore believes whatever he says, but yeah. to a certain extent. But but I think there is a there is an element of good old Gabby Agbon Lahore. Yeah, I mean, I think most there is famous, an element of most let's famous say crazy for getting stuff. Th- most famous for allegedly getting three women pregnant at the same time. <laughs> the only hat trick he ever scored in his whole career. Oh my god! <laughs> Which was this? Oh, no, never mind. Right. Um, no. It's... Yeah, don't go there. Um, <laughs> don't go there. Uh, right. Okay. On that note, let's leave it at that. Um, we will be back on Tuesday for uh, the Q and A uh, episode, and then uh, later in the week um, for uh, another transfer, another transfer show, um, which we're working on as well. So look out for those. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, have a great week. Until next time. Ciao, ciao.